What's going on everybody? I'm Kevin from Cigar Prop and each and every week we come to you live on the I Tap That Cigar Show on our YouTube channel. We interview someone fun and exciting in the cigar world and then about a week later we upload that audio to various podcasting platforms. That's what you're listening to now. We try and cut out a lot of the stuff that won't make sense because you're listening to it instead of watching it. But if something doesn't make sense and you want to watch it, in the description is the link that will take you to our YouTube so you can watch the interview instead of listening to it. But if you want to continue listening to it, thank you. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Um, so, yes, uh, waiting in patiently in the Experience Asset Green Room. Let's bring him on before I screw something else up today. <laughs> Is, uh, is is uh, Drew Newman of J.C. Newman Cigars. Um, what is going on, Drew? Hi, Kevin. Hi, Jessica. Thanks Hi. so much for having me on your show this afternoon. Yeah, oh, we're you're, excited. You're, you're, <laughs> we're, we're very excited. And uh, and what we got you on, so some people in the uh, uh, watching, maybe right now, maybe listening on the podcast, first off, you don't know who J.C. Newman Cigars is. You probably not have never seen my show before. Um, but um, I just want to... Uh, People to think about how old J.C. Newman is. So, so think about all that your company has been through. The you know uh, the Roaring Twenties, the Great Depression, two World Wars, the Cuban embargo, and now the fight with the FDA. And in the last couple of years, especially COVID's been real hard. While other companies were consolidating, cutting back, and even shuttering, you, J.C. Newman, has been in innovating, thriving, and expanding, all while paying homage to the industry heritage and legacy of those that came before. So people in the chat panel, people listening, if you think you've seen it all from America's oldest cigar factory, I don't think so. You guys just keep, keep going, keep innovating. Um, I don't even know how you've, you've literally, literally done it all and seen it all. I don't know how you guys keep doing it. That's very, very kind of you, Kevin. You know, <laughs> For 126 years, my family has been making premium cigars. We've had one goal, just to make the best cigars we possibly can. And we have one goal going forward, which is just to continue our family uh, history for another 126 years. And so uh, we're laser focused on that goal. And we're really excited by uh, not only honoring our past, but also uh, preparing for the, uh, the, the future of our, our company, of our business, and uh, this premium cigar uh, industry. Yeah, so uh, uh, people may not know because uh, uh, it, it, uh, are you are you broadcasting? Where are you in Nicaragua, Honduras? Sure. Where is this fantastic uh, place that you are broadcasting from? So it may look like I have a virtual backdrop behind me, but I, I'm not. I'm coming to you live from the third floor of our 111-year-old uh, El Rolo Cigar Factory here in the Cigar City of Tampa, Florida. And this is our uh, our handmade rolling room called the American Room where our handmade cigar rollers craft one of the world's most interesting and finest cigars, the American, and a few other cigars as well. And uh, the great thing about our factory here in Ybor City in Tampa is that it's a great place to visit. It's an easy place to visit. And, and so I would encourage all of your, your viewers to, to come visit us here in the Cigar City to see our cigar museum, as well as our handmade cigar factory uh, that's right behind me. Yeah, you know, and, and the great thing about Ybor City, like you said, it's Cigar City. You yeah. go take a tour of, of uh, um, a historic El Rolo. 
you go down the street, you have, you have a, a great Cuban sandwich or some good Cuban food. And then you go to the, the, the multitude of cigar shops, mm. you know, around um, uh, everywhere around your factory, you could literally spend an entire oh, yeah. weekend or a week just on cigars dedicated to cigars and seeing everything. Um, you can see, you know, the hand rollers for the American and then, there's other shops that still hand roll cigars mm -hmm. around town, and it's an absolute fantastic, fantastic place. Absolutely. There's a great culture of cigars here in Tampa, and it's been around since 1885. And so there's culture, there's history, there's character, but uh, this is Cigar City. And if you love cigars, you need to come to Cigar City and, and visit us and every other place uh, in Ebor City to experience the real American cigar making um, legacy. It, it, exactly. You know, and, and I don't know, I don't know if it makes sense or not. So, um, but uh, when Jessica and I were just there, you got, you know, you haven't opened to the public yet, but all the renovations were done. Some, some little tidying up, some little cleaner, you know, cleaning to be done. But um, I, cause I was there at the very beginning. I think I was the very last tour that came through. And then I was, I, I came in during the construction to see how things were going but the, the factory, and not the people, but the factory seems happier. It seems alive. Um, it's like it's like it's emotional for me to talk about that because it's 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 not just bricks. It's this history, and you can it's palpable when you're in that factory. You can feel the factory's heartbeat. That could just be the clock yeah. you know, that, that I'm hearing. <laughs> I know, but um, do you find that? Do you find that after it's all said and done, like it's just a fantastic place to be. Of course, you're absolutely right. Our El Rolo factory is a living, breathing being. It's a 111-year-old brick building that has seen more than a billion cigars rolled underneath its roof in the past uh, a century and, and 11 years. And so you can really breathe history, feel history. My father likes to say our factory is a living history museum because we are rolling cigars today here in the Cigar City of Tampa, just like cigars were rolled here in Tampa 100 years ago. And so that the, the process, the, the, the methods, the, all of that hasn't changed. And, and you can feel it. And I agree. The factory is happier now because we're, we're able to, to, to showcase this history to uh, so many visitors who come through our doors every day. And, and, I, and I'll, I'll go on a little side, too. Like, in addition to having actual a, a feeling of living history here too, you know, our longtime employees do say that our factory is haunted and there are, are ghosts here, which uh, kind of makes sense given how old the building is. Yeah. Any any plans on like a Halloween or something, having like an overnight stay? You know, um, I would love to spend. I would be. I am so scared of everything, but I would love for a Halloween to come up and stay the night at. Well, I know that there's been a couple little, um, I guess, just like little uh, things that people have said about the factory, but you guys have videoed it where they're doing like, in, like kind of telling their story. Oh my God. I've listened yeah. to so many of them and I was like, no, I'll listen, but I don't think I could, I'd probably just run. I'm like a scaredy cat. I don't like scary movies or anything, <laughs> but it's interesting that, you know, these are like legit stories that people have you know, experienced. And I don't know how I would feel about that. <laughs> Jessica, you're right. Um, it wasn't until maybe about a year or two ago 
that uh, we were just gathering some people together who'd been here for a long time and then realized that so many of our longtime employees had seen or felt or experienced something just a little odd or a little off, but they hadn't really talked about it. And maybe they were afraid to talk about it or afraid to say that they saw something. But once everyone was together, our longtime employees, and they started comparing notes, it was odd at how similar so many people's stories were. And so uh, we recorded a video series last October for, uh, for before Halloween of, of trying to capture some of these ghost stories of El Relo. But uh, I think we're, we're planning on, on having some ghost tours in our factory late at night uh, this coming October so cool. to have you uh, join us. Yeah, yeah, uh, but- I, I would do it uh, just because for the experience, because we've actually done some ghost tours when we've gone to places, but you can ask Kevin. I'm. I probably won't sleep for a couple of days because then in my mind it just goes crazy, <laughs> like where the imagination just takes takes over. Yeah, you know, because yeah. it's not just the factory; it's it's the neighborhood. Yeah. You, you, I mean, on, on site. I mean, they're, they're the houses that the that the rollers and they used to live in are are still there. You know, the mm-hmm. the, the the old factories. You know, from everything from shoemaking to everything that that's still in Ebor City. All of those. All of those places are there. Exactly. Ybor City isn't just a bunch of cigar factories. It's a community. It's a neighborhood. And the building across the street from us is an old hotel that was built in 1910 when this factory was. And it's been vacant and derelict and falling apart for, for decades. And it's it's spooky going in there in the daytime, going there in, in, at night. I, I can only imagine how, uh, how frightening it, it would be, especially around Halloween and but there's just really there's there's real character here here in Ebor City that captures the American cigar making history, uh, and we're just so excited to be able to showcase it and and really help cigar enthusiasts understand and learn what it is a premium cigar what a premium cigar really is and and how it's a handcrafted product and and it's very labor intensive and it's a work of art it's it's not something made. Um, by a, a big industrial factory. Oh, ex- exactly. Um, and <laughs> even with, uh, you know, you've got your hand rollers and then you have your uh, machine assisted cigars. I hate that term exactly. machine made because, and well, I hate that term now that I've seen how oh, the yeah. cigars are made. And if anybody's not sure, if you go to the Cigar Prop YouTube channel, um, there's a playlist called JC Newman. You can see everything because like, there, there's no machine that makes this cigar. I mean, it, it helps a little bit, but just the the, the process, you know, it's just oh, uh, yeah. people putting the tobacco down to even the, the labeling, the cellophane, everything else, even on the machine assisted cigars, there's so much hands on that mm-hmm. has to go has to go into that before that cigar can even, you know, come out of that machine. Exactly. So here in our third floor behind me are hand cigar rollers that are handcrafting cigars uh, with their own two hands. Uh, and on the floor, floor below me, on the second floor, we roll cigars using exactly what you described, these antique hand-operated cigar machines that my great-grandfather bought in the 1930s. And so there are two traditional old ways of rolling cigars here in Ebor City, and uh, um, we're just trying to keep the tradition alive. Now, um, uh, so, so Drew, let me, how, how old are you? 
I'm 39. So you're so thir- 39, about the same age as us, but uh, a little younger still. Um, so when, <laughs> oh, when no. the, yeah, um, I know. when do you do you remember the the first time or you know of going in to to El Relo, You know, because I see you, you know it's been there. You know, or what is your first memory? Well, you know, I don't remember the first time I came to this building because yeah. I've been coming here all my life. Um, my my dad says when I was six weeks old. He brought me to the factory and just walked me around and introduced the, the new baby to all of our employees. And and growing up, I, I spent so much time here uh, throughout my, my life. Um, my, my mother was a, a, a uh, public school teacher. And when she would be having her training days or conference days or whatever, I, I would just come to the factory with my dad and he would be busy working and doing what he needed to do. So he'd tell me, just, just go go roam, go, go wander. Go I can only imagine how much trouble you got into. As, as, a, as a kid. And so I, I, I love this building and, and, you know, cigars are a tradition that's been passed down from generation to generation. You, you just can't open up a book and learn about cigars and how to make them. You'd have to learn by observing, by watching, by, by listening, by experiencing. And so I've just been absorbing as much as I, I can for for decades now, just trying to, to learn about this art and this craft uh, that uh, we all get to enjoy. Now, now do you have a, fa- a, a fond memory, you know, maybe someone teaching you something or just, you know, like a life lesson? Yeah, well, you know, I feel very blessed to be in a family business that my uh, great-grandfather started 126 years ago in 1895. And my, my great-grandfather worked until the day he died at, at age 83. And, and my grandfather worked until the day he died at the age of 90. He died just in my, my dad's office. Um, um, but because he never retired. I, I spent a lot of time with my, my grandfather and I'm lucky enough to inherit his old office. But I remember being a kid and just, just walking the factory with him and walking the factories in the Dominican Republic and, and the farms and the fields with him, walking through the what's now the, the Premium Cigar Association trade show with him, but, but it was the old RTDA but before then. But really spending time with my grandfather and, and, and hearing him past lessons of being in this business down to me. I, that's just a wonderful set of fond memories. And I feel so grateful to have had that time with him. Now, now you've got, you know, a lot of cousins, a lot of family. Are, are you the oldest of the, uh, were you like the, the firstborn of the next generation? Exactly. I'm the oldest member of the fourth generation. And my uncle Bobby has two sons who are uh, 15 and 17 years younger than I am. And so, uh, so, so, they're they're learning too, uh, but it, it's a family business, and, and I'm I, I feel very lucky to be able to work for and work with my my father and uncle, and uh, and, and as I just mentioned, I, I learned so much from my grandfather, and hope that uh, I can learn as much as I can from from them, and then pass it down to uh, future generations. Now, um, have you or or uh, uh, the other cousins? Um, um, have you ever worked on the retail side? I know Jeff Borshowitz a lot, like Bradley Rubin and others. You know, they're they're they make, they've sent their kids go work for Jeff for the summer. You know, <laughs> it's uh, you know maybe appreciate what you got with us. You know, but uh, um, so uh, 
I have not. Uh, I have a, a, a different sort of a background that, that I pursued for a while while still working part-time for the company, but before I joined JCMN full-time. But my cousins, uh, Dawson and Paxton, have both worked uh, for one for Jeff Borshowitz of Corona Cigar Company here in Tampa, and the other for Craig Cass, uh, who's a, a very prominent retailer who has the, the, the tender box in uh, Charlotte, uh, okay, yeah. North Carolina. Oh, oh, right, right on. Um, now, when when we were there, um, like I said we, we we were sitting on the same stage as as, as you were inter- interviewing Bobby. And I know one thing that Jessica and I asked him um, was, "What was your what was your favorite?" A little bit of twist question for you: What was your favorite place before the renovations, and what's your favorite place now? Like, was there like beforehand? Was there a a place that you would just go and just? You know, not necessarily an office, but just to hide, just to get away. And, well, not even that. Just maybe yeah. a favorite part of the, yeah, the factory, or you know, absolutely. You know, I would say it's exactly where we are right now. Um, the prior to the restoration of El Rolo, this part of our third floor was simply storage. It was kind of closed off. It's 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 where you 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 put. A hundred years worth of humidors, old promotional items, signs, stuff that you aren't really using, but you don't want to throw away. It, it just kind of collected lots of stuff over the years, and it was sort of a, a treasure trove of old artifacts. And it's also here on the third floor, just that the space gets tremendous natural light. Um, we have some oh, light yeah. on, behind me, but uh, we're just getting wonderful Florida sunshine. And so it was a combination of of historical cigar artifacts as well as just beautiful natural light with these uh, original bricks and 110 year old wood floors and beadboard ceilings. Like it's, it's just a very special space up here, which is why when we were restoring our Rolo, I wanted to put our, our, our hand rollers up here because it's just a, it's just a great space to be. Yeah, you know, uh, and, and and I was I was in that area before. I was everywhere in the uh, Adria. I had there was no whole bars. We went everywhere, yeah. and yeah, you guys don't throw anything away. No, and, and you guys don't give any. I'm like, I'm like, hey, can I have that? She's like, no. I go, you got like twelve. It's like a, it's like eighty years old. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, can I have that? No, can I have that? Need in twenty years. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I will say that was the one thing when we walked through. I I couldn't believe how many just cigar old cigar bands and boxes and like it was just so cool though to see how much stuff you guys had accumulated but you're right like you never know when you might implement that in some in some form you know exactly like 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 the old molds you know like i I wanted to stack of molds but then you put them around the the elevator which absolutely came out fantastic It, it was so so beautiful just to see that and then just to just to be able to touch them, you know, because I said I look at those molds and just the the history. How many cigars have 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 gone, you know, gone in them, yeah. you know, and that's and that's everything about your factory. Well, when El Rolo was built in 1910, newspapers at the time called it the largest, but also the finest cigar factory in the world, and and they wrote about how uh, no expenses were spared in uh, building the cigar factory. So when we wanted to restore El Rolo to its historic grandeur and bring it back to the way it was in 1910, we really wanted to honor that and, 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 and really freshen up our public spaces. And so, so incorporating a lot of the historic detail of old cigar molds, of, of, of 
original floors of exposing the, the historic brick uh, helped us to, to really bring the factory back to the way it was if you walk through its doors when it opened in 1910. You know, and 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 I believe that when you when you say they spared no expense, because I, I know you know I I I I do a little bit of construction, I know a little engineering, and going through there and just looking at what it took to produce that that building with as much open space, because during that time, you know, your your concrete pillars or brick pillars were everywhere, and it broke up the space, and you had you know like the the metal tie beams, the thinner ones. That, that went through and then just looking at the walls and looking at everything. And I looked around and go, this, this couldn't be built like this, you know, like today. It, I mean, it's absolutely insane. The yeah. technology that went into producing that building. Exactly. You know, our Elrolo factory has a hundred thousand square feet of space in it. And the engineering um, of it is just really incredible. And, and to think that engineers 111 years ago were able to build this building Without calculators, without computers, just all through through mental math and 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 and, and hand drawn um, drawings, it's just really incredible. And, and to the point that you mentioned um, a moment ago, th there are no columns on our second floor. The third floor that we're on now is held up entirely from from by being suspended uh, from the uh, rafters, and the reason is because. Uh, at the time, the, the factory owners wanted to have a very open and large cigar rolling gallery where that, where that wasn't subdivided uh, by, uh, by columns. And so I don't know if you can see them, but there are these metal uh, poles behind me that uh, actually holding up the floor because there are no columns beneath us. And just it's just really incredible engineering. Um, but I think it, the, the, the care to which this building was created I think speaks to the care to which that we invest in the premium cigars we're making. It's it, it's it, it just each cigar really is a work of art, and uh, we work really hard trying to create beautiful uh, cigars that uh, you and uh, hopefully your viewers enjoy. Yeah. Now, now um, uh, when you when you brought in the architects and the engineers for the the renovation. Did they have some trepidation about going into a building so old and, um, and then finding, you know, cause you, you never know, you, you know, you guys know, you know, we, we've, we've seen you tear down walls and they're like, Oh, this is, we thought, we thought there was nothing behind this wall. There's another brick wall behind this wall. Absolutely. You know, in a building of this age, you just don't know what you're going to encounter. You don't know what old systems or structures, and you also don't have the old blueprints to, to, to understand how it was put together and what is supporting what. And so um, it, it was a challenge uh, restoring El Rolo, but at the same time, our, our, our wonderful architects uh, were very enthusiastic about this process because it's not, it's not every day that you get to work on a 111-year-old iconic building like our El Rolo Cigar Factory. Uh, if you think about all the, the sort of the, the more – um, generic sort of parking garages and and strip malls and and, and buildings like that. I mean, there's it, such a unique structure that uh, um, our architects and contractors, everyone just was so excited to help us restore this beautiful treasure of a building. 
Yeah, you know, and, and I can only imagine the domino effect because, like, to, to build a building now with a suspended floor, like, they, I, I don't even know if they would allow that. Like, right. I, I, know, I, I don't know. I you mean, know, so, so this adding is cool, this yeah. was them being part of history by being able to say, hey, we worked on this building that people haven't worked, you know, built anything oh, yeah. like this in forever. And now they have that experience. And it, it, that is super cool. Exactly. And then yeah. I, I'm just, I think about the domino effect of like, this building was engineered with this wall here. Yeah. What happens when we take this wall? Because like you said, that you didn't have the blueprints. Like what? What is what? What is moving this wall going to do? What is going to change the structure of this floating floor? You know, and um, it's it just mind-boggling. Yeah. I I can't even imagine just the trepidation of every time someone took a sledgehammer to a wall, just uh, just thinking like, what's going to happen? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But uh, you know that this building has lasted and and, and stood uh, for 111 years, and is weather. <laughs> hurricanes and lots of other storms and it was just very well built and and one of the things we wanted it to do was was take care of the building and have it last for another 111 years and so so as part of the restoration we we, we went through structural engineers and checked the integrity of the building and shored up a few th places and added a few uh columns in our basement because we, we we want the, the, the this treasure to to last for another 100 years too I, I do want to say yeah, something, though. There is another, like, little treasure, though, because I'm not sure people are aware. You guys made sort of like an a, a event space for people where they can do weddings and, you know, have, like, meetings and stuff. And uh, it's so beautiful in there. And I've even seen it. You. you guys have had. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Um, I've had a couple weddings, correct? Current, like, yeah. Okay. yeah. So on, on the second floor below us, we have a, a theater that shows old cigar films and and uh, pieces like that. And we also have an event space where we can host uh, uh, meetings or weddings or other sorts of gatherings. And, and, and it's a, a cigar-friendly space, so you can bring your group of friends to, to, together and, and celebrate uh, a, a life event and, and do it with uh, fine beverages and fine cigars as well and, and, and do it inside a 111-year-old building. So it's... Uh, it's just gorgeous. A really unique space, but but um, what, one of the motivators for restoring El Rolo was recognizing that Tampa was Cigar City and has a rich cigar history, but over time, every other factory closed and, and started falling apart. And, and as the last working cigar factory here in Tampa, we wanted to... Um, use our building to tell the story of cigar making in America, cigar making in Tampa. And so we want people to come in for tours. We also want them to come in for events so that we can educate the, the, the next generation of, of, of people about the history of cigars and cigar making in Tampa. And so um, we love having events because it gives us a chance to, to show off the, 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 the uh, history of cigars. Yeah. You know, because it's easy to, just bulldoze an old factory and build something, you know, build something bigger, not, not better, but just build something more modern. Um, it just, and that's, that's just too easy to do nowadays. And that just seems yeah. to be the the thing. And luckily Ybor city as, as a whole, you know, you're starting to see some of these old cigar factories that are being renovated to do other things. And, and I, and I love when I, when I drive by one and you'll see a, uh, like a boutique, you know, what a coffee shop or, you know, whatever right. that's going in there. And, 
and I love that. You know, I, I just love uh, love seeing that because I said it just it just seems like that's the day and age that that we're in as a society. It's just you you throw it out and you get something new, and, and that's it. Yeah. But, but I think I think cigar smokers we 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 love that history. Oh, I definitely do, and I love everything about what you guys did. I mean, I've been there twice now, and I've just every time. And the one thing that I noticed when I first went and did the tour was. I believe is rugs that you picked out. <laughs> they're yeah. like these little, uh, you know, runner type rugs going down, and they're absolutely stunning. Like I think out of everything, like I love the building, but I don't. I love that attention to detail. It was just the those little things that you guys added just really just makes everything come together. And those rugs, I was like, I have to have one of those rugs. Thank you. <laughs> you know. What what makes I think our family unique is that we are a four generation, hundred and twenty six year old American family business, and we have an authentic story, and we also have an authentic cigar factory here at El Rolo in Tampa. And so, as we were working to restore El Rolo, we wanted to to to, to stay authentic, and and we, we we researched the paint colors that were used uh, when the factory was built in 1910 uh, and, and, and replicated those. We, 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 we replicated the old historic doors so that we could stay true to uh, the way the factory was designed. And, and uh, we needed some rugs to put down over our wood floors. Uh, we, we found some hundred year old rugs that were the same age as the factory because I think authenticity in cigars is really important and we wanted it to uh, uh be authentic with our factory as well but you definitely achieved it yeah so Je jessica noticed the rugs and i know jessica <laughs> loves history she loves she loves things you know when when I, I picked out her engagement ring i knew she wouldn't be happy with something that i went to the to the store and yeah. bought no matter what the price was so i researched and found uh, a, a company that that goes to antique uh, um, or uh, stores and goes to these uh, um, estate sales. And I, and I got her a, a ring that was like 105 years old, you know, and, uh, and it didn't, and it didn't even need to be size. I, one yeah. thing that was important for me was to find one of her exact size. So yeah. when she wears it, you know, just knowing, I know, just knowing someone else had had this ring, you know, it's just kind of just a, you can only imagine like maybe what that person was like or what kind of life they lived. It's just, it's beautiful. So I like anything that's old. <laughs> and, and that's what, you know, and, and I've said, and I've done IGTV videos and uh, TikTok videos. And, and when I, when I smoke a JC Newman cigar, even, you know, even if it wasn't rolled at the, at the uh, El Rolo, I, I smoke it and I'm like, just think of the history. Yeah. Just think All of a, um, a, a, a JC Newman coming over here with nothing and starting this empire. I get it is now, you know, and um, it just it just blows me. It blows me away. And well, I, and I find a connection to JC Newman only because I'm uh, grew up where my family owned a family business. They owned a garden center and landscaping company, commercial and residential, and everybody in my family worked it. My uncles, my aunts, my siblings, cousins. So I connect with that whole, you know, we didn't go like and play after school. Like we had to go into the greenhouse and work, you know, it was just like, like what we were taught. It's and a family so, business. Yeah, yeah. It's a, yeah. And all hands on deck. So I relate to that side like a lot. 
And, you know, so, and you can, you can just tell and you can feel it when you go uh, to your factory and you get the tour, you can just feel like that this is such a great family, you know, empire, but it's a, it's a family, but it's great because you feel embraced by it too when you go there. Like you're not just going home and be like, oh, okay. Like we got to see this. Like everybody's very welcoming. It's just, it's so friendly and it was just so inviting. And that, and that's, and that's the key yeah. when you go there. It's like, um, every, you know, uh, we, we love Adria. I mean, yeah. we absolutely, she's part of our family yeah, now. She's great. And it just, but, but it's all the girls and guys and sales and everyone we talk to, it's, they have such a passion for cigars and they have such a love for JC Newman. Um, mm -hmm. that's hard to come by, you know, you're, you're, you're in the corporate world. Um, that's, that's hard to come by to, to, to go to a company and find a, like every single individual is in love with the company is yeah. in love with what they do. It, it's just unheard of nowadays. Well, thank you for saying that. I mean, in one sense we are in the corporate world, but in another sense, what, what we do is simply maintain a tradition of cigar making that hasn't changed for a hundred years. And so we're an old school industry, an old school family, which is, I think is, is very different from the, the modern fast paced tech driven startup type of world that uh, so much of corporate America is today. But at the same time, I often feel how lucky I am because we're in a business that nobody needs. Nobody yeah. needs a cigar. You can choose to enjoy a cigar for celebration, for relaxation. Cigars are fun. And maybe because you, you, you light up a cigar to, 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 to hang out with your friends or when you're, when you're, you're golfing or, or, or fishing or just uh, catching up or relaxing, it's a really fun business to be in. And I, I'm very grateful that, uh, that, that our team members uh, feel that way too. And we're also very blessed that um, we have remarkably low turnover. Um, our, our, our cigar rollers to our office staff, to our sales staff, you know, people join our, our, our family, they join our company and they, they tend to stay and it makes us very happy. And, and I, I think uh, uh, helps us have a really good, uh, good uh, culture here. You know, and, and the cigar is the one thing that you use to celebrate, but then you remember that cigar. So you you have like, you know, my daughter graduated college. We went out to dinner. I can't tell you what, what we had for dinner. You know, like say, you know, you're you have a special anniversary and you buy flowers for your, your wife yeah. or spouse. You don't remember those flowers. <laughs> but there are, you know, every special moment in my life, I've had that cigar and I remember that cigar. I remember, I can't remember anything else about that day. What, what I, what I was wearing, what I was eating, what I was drinking, but you remember that cigar and then you get to have that cigar again, you know, so it, you know, there was a burger or whatever that with that I ate at having dinner, you know, with, with Amber, but you don't remember that moment next time you have that burger, but you remember that moment next time you have that cigar, that cigar leaves a lasting impression you know, on, on your yeah. memory. And then every time you light that cigar yeah. up, it's, it's the ultimate time traveling device. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't rush it. When, when you light up a cigar too, you, you, you just have to slow down and savor it and enjoy it. You, you, you can't run outside and puff nonstop and smoke it too quickly and toss it out. Like it yeah. cigar can work that way. And, 
you know, in this fast paced, uh, hectic, uh, world that we all live in, you know, there aren't too many things like cigars that allow you to, to just to take a breath and slow down and reflect and relax and be with friends. It's a, uh, it's a really special, um, uh, thing, I think. I agree. It, it, it really is. That's it, why I stay away it, from Lanceros. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't have time for Lanceros. <laughs> yeah, you know, but but that, that's one thing we get to enjoy together is that, is that you know, because yeah. we both work full-time jobs. Mm-hmm. This this social media business that, that we have created takes so much time. But when we smoke that cigar, you know, that's 90 minutes. That's two hours to where you are forced to just... Well, slow, I wouldn't slow. say it's forced. Yeah, well, I I'm, say it, it, we look forward to well, no, no, it. Well, no, 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 no. It forces you to slow oh, down. Yeah, it forces yeah. you to just, exactly. to, you know, take a thought. You yeah. know, just, you know, it's not like you said. It's not outside, you know, hotboxing a cigar because <laughs> I can get back to my computer work. You know, it just, right. it, it, it forces you to, to slow down. Um, so so behind you, they're rolling the American. Yes. Um, a lot of a lot of people know the story of American uh, of the American. Like so you've, you've given uh, lots of interviews, but one thing that that I've always and maybe you've said it, but I, I didn't um, I didn't catch it. One thing I've always wanted to know was, uh, but why was it important for you to bring the American cigar to market? Was it something you felt that the industry was lacking, like a hundred percent cigar rolled everything here in America? Was it something that you could put your thumbprint on and be like, I did, I did this as, you know, like you're you're being, you know, I don't want to say overshadowed, but you have this legacy that's that's looming over. So was it something that you wanted to make a mark? What was the thought process behind that? So I would say two things. First, anytime any of us walks into a humidor at a, at a cigar lounge, uh, you encounter just a whole wide range of cigars that are, are wonderful and, and made all over the world using tobaccos from all over the, over the world. Um, but sometimes it's it's hard to, to really make a unique cigar. And so I wanted to, to challenge myself and challenge our company to try to make something unique and also something that speaks to who we are as a company and as a family. And at the end of the day, we're, we're Americans. We're a 126-year-old American cigar making family. And I, I wanted to honor that um, history as well. And at the same time, many people who enjoy cigars know about the Dominican Republic and, and Honduras and Nicaragua and certainly Cuba too. But quite often, uh, cigar enthusiasts uh, don't know or overlook the fact that America has a rich cigar making legacy that dates back to 1612 when the very first crop of cigar tobacco was grown in uh, Virginia. And so so I also wanted to help highlight that history and the fact that George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, so many of the, the founding fathers of our country grew tobacco and tobacco that was used for cigars and and and, and the fact that we can still uh, uh, grow heirloom cigar tobaccos in the United States and make a world-class cigar here, and not only make a cigar, but 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 make boxes um, here using hinges made in America and wood-grown America and ink and paper and cellophane in America. I wanted to prove that, that we have a rich cigar-making 
tradition here in the United States and, and honor it and, and share it so people can learn about it and be proud of the American cigar making uh, legacy. I love that. Yeah, it, and it and it's it's hard. Um, was there, you know, because you know everything I make, I, I I really try my best for cigar prop. Everything is made here in the USA. It's just, I, you know, you, you pay a premium when you when you buy one of my products, but you're knowing, you know, the aluminum is 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 made here. It's machined here. The packaging. Um, I, I went uh, I went above and beyond to find the the plastic packaging. Com yeah. A company that makes the inserts. Um, everything and um, it is hard and, and it's it hard is hard to find stuff that's still it, it, it made is here it, it is really hard you know we, we've been working on a, a new product for a year now and i just refuse to outsource it because i want to create something what was the was there one particular thing or you know that that you guys had the hardest time procuring um that that's just not made here you know or, or generally made here my my biggest fear was tobacco and Connecticut, uh, there's Connecticut Shade, there's Connecticut Broadleaf, there's a lesser-known varietal called Connecticut Havana. Um, but most of the tobacco that is grown in the United States for cigars are a wrapper. And the reason why they're wrappers is because wrappers uh, are, are the most expensive type of tobacco, so the farmers can sell, sell them at the highest prices. Yeah, America is, is, is the the leader of the free world it's the most developed the wealthiest nation on earth and and, and as part of that our, our wage costs are, are are relatively very high uh, wages here in the united states are, are at least eight times what they are in nicaragua and, and so it's hard for our farmers and really for so many folks to compete with uh, the uh, overseas countries and, and and so because of that there's plenty of wrapper grown for cigars in the United States, but I was worried about the uh, filler and a little bit worried about the binder, um, particularly since with the American, I, I didn't want to make a, a gimmicky cigar. I didn't want to make a cigar that had a story, but kind of fell flat. I wanted yeah. a world-class cigar that could stand head and shoulders next to some of the finest cigars in the world. Um, and uh, I, I think we did that. It took us quite some time to, to experiment with, with blends and, and source some, some some other American tobaccos. But I, I'm, I'm really proud of the blend. And, and that's, that was the biggest challenge because I wanted the American to be a real cigar and not a gimmick. And it is. Oh, it is because that's like my number one cigar. I think it, like almost two years in a row you. now. I love thank that you. cigar so much. Yeah, and, and that was one question I was going to ask you. So from 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 the time you had the idea <clears throat> to the, uh, cause I was at the launch date at uh, Davidoff of Geneva. Um, uh, that's where I first met Adria. Um, what was that time frame? Was it a couple of years, you know, from when you had the idea <laughs> to where, you know, you guys were standing at Davidoff selling that cigar. Cigars are slow. <laughs> um, the cigar business is slow. It's an old school, old world business. And large, largely because we're dealing with a natural agricultural products and um, there's there's only one way to make a new cigar and that is to experiment to create a blend but when you create a blend you can you can think about what different tobacco components to roll together and you can roll it and you can smoke it right there but the cigar freshly rolled off of one of these tables behind us 
is going to taste very different than it will taste in a month, in six weeks, two months, three months. And so the way you make a new cigar blend is that you try the blend, you roll it, you can test it right away because you usually can't wait and you see what it's like. And then you've got to let it sit and age and try it again in a couple of weeks and, and again a month later. And, 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 and if it's not heading in the right direction, then you start all over again with a new blend and you, and you tweak it and then you got to wait and you got to age it some more. And so it's this trial and error process that is just slow and there's, there's no way to, um, to get around it. And so it, it took us about four years to really bring the American to market. Um, but it, 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 if you shortcut the process, you're not going to get a good cigar. It, it, exactly. Now, now, do you often get fr- I get frustrated with the cigar industry. Um, we work with so many manufacturers um, because it's so slow. You know, like I, you know, like so everything we produce, I I can have a drawing made. I bring it to a facility and I'd be like, I would like 10,000 of these, please. <laughs> um, and we wait a month and I have 10,000 right. items, you know, but the cigar industry, so, you know, working with some of these manufacturers, it's like, why is this so slow? <laughs> you know, but and not just the cigar, you know, it's like, oh, you like to get some bands made, or you like to get a box made, and it just you do you ever just like shake your fist sometimes, like with of course. <laughs> of course, but you know, that's one of the things that makes our industry special. The fact that we are really dealing with a handcrafted product. If it if a premium cigar was as simple as going to a factory hitting a button come i don't think we'd be talking right now yeah it's like going to the willy wonka factory you know exactly (laughs) exactly it's uh it's 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 just one of the things that makes the cigar industry frustrating but it makes it special because it it really highlights the fact that we're dealing with a all natural agricultural handcrafted product and and uh, you you just can't rush it as much as we want to pull our uh uh, hair out of her head sometimes. Exactly. So, so you you have a, a large space behind you, but you only have two rollers right now. Are will that be will that be? Or I don't even know if there's two. Three, three today, right now. Okay. Yeah. Oh, so, oh, so you added a third. Yeah. Angels in the back. Oh. His headphones on. There's Lewis mm-hmm. and Yeti and Angel who are in okay. the back. So, so, and, so, so they're his banding cigars and. Uh, and and, uh, and 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 putting them in boxes right now next to our polone and uh, um, and so we're slowly growing the production here and and rolling some other cigars as well. Okay. Oh, so you're going to be rolling other cigars other than the American? Yeah, we started rolling some other cigars uh, uh, late last year. Uh, one of the the next cigars that we'll, we'll release from uh, our factory here is a uh, is is a. Questeray number 95 wrapped with a African Cameroon wrapper. And what is really special about this cigar is that is it is that I recreated my grandfather's uh, blend for the Questeray number 95 that he introduced right after the Cuban embargo. Um, and it was the top-selling premium cigar in the, in the United States in the 1960s and early 1970s. And so um, that cigar is, uh, is coming out soon. And Angel on the back is rolling a, a, a beautiful cigar with a, 
a, a, a, a twisted head and a, a, and a, and a, 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 a tucked foot. And, and that cigar uh, will be coming out uh, this fall. And we're going to start rolling uh, another uh, blend. Uh, uh, well, going back to your last question, we're going we're to start rolling <laughs> apples uh, um, uh, later this week. And, and we'll see how long it takes us to, to, to lock a, a blend uh, for, for, for that new line as well. Oh, right on. And then the last time I was there, um, uh, Adri was saying that you guys were, were rolling a new size of the American, but it was only available at the factory. Why, why is why is that? So we have uh, actually two new sizes. Uh, the, the first is the American President, which is a uh, uh, an all American cigar that's packed in a American made glass tube. It's a sort of a commemorative factory only exclusive that you can get uh, when you visit us here in El Rolo in Tampa. And then um, uh, actually, I think, I, I, I don't think, I, I know for certain, this is the first time I've talked about it. We have a new size, a double Robusto size for the American that we will be introducing for uh, the Independence Day holiday, July 4th next month it's a, a five and a half by 56 it's just a wonderful size it's a little oh, smaller I, than the other americans yeah, and that's perfect size awesome. perfect um, yeah for, for independence day oh that's awesome so that, that that is that is my size right there lately i've been that like like little five five and a half you know 54 56 that is yeah, just it is definitely i love that size. size cigar i think that is going to absolutely you know um take off you know so um, so right on well they have to go there to get it. Yeah. So we'll be releasing it um, oh, okay. to our um, our network of. Okay. Um, so that so that one. Yeah. Because because okay. um, I think she was saying that like the larger size it was because of the wrapper, yeah. the Florida sun grown wrapper. Yeah. You know, not being able to produce. You know. Exactly. It, it all ties back to again the fact that we have a natural agricultural product and and the American is rolled uh, with. Florida Sungrown wrapper, and it's the only cigar with an FSG wrapper on it. Um, but Florida Sungrown is a—it's a beautiful but small eight-acre farm in Claremont, Florida, and the the plants uh, grow leaves that are on the smaller side, and so there aren't many large leaves for a, a, a Churchill or a Presidente size, and so uh, uh, the, the plant. Mother Nature just decided that these plants should grow smaller leaves. So, so uh, that's kind of what it is. But it, it just again speaks to the fact that every cigar is different, and that we've got a natural agricultural product. Oh, right, right on. And then one other cigar that that really took the world by well, the U.S. by storm last year uh, was the Yagua, and that's what Jessica and I are smoking today. Yeah. Jessica, Jessica's got a, a, a box, you know, right there. If you want to show the, uh, the box, we got, uh, it still surprised me. Um, first of all, how's it smoking? I haven't smoked one. In oh, oh my God. Oh my God. It's smoking. Absolutely fantastic. Now I was thinking because, um, um, and I'll have you go into why the different shapes, I was thinking after some time that they would relax and yeah. then like go into a, no, they stay, you know, for the most part, there's yeah. a few that rounded out, but for the most part, there are some yeah, that are still, still has a pretty sharp. Yeah. You know, and then I, I think I, I, I picked one out here. Um, I don't know if I can, if everybody can see it. It's oh, hard. Yeah. This one's wow. almost flat. You know, it, it's a, it's an oval, different. It's a, it's an that. oval shaped cigar. Yeah. And um, so they come, you know, wrapped in this beautiful, you know, and that's, those are, those are leaves from the agua plant. 
Okay, so so what what is what is the yagua plant? What kind of plant is that? It's a, a type of Cuban palm. It's a type of palm tree that's native to Cuba and other parts of the Caribbean and Central America. And uh, as we talked about, uh, the cigar industry is full of tradition and it's full of stories. And what we try to do today is honor the tradition of cigar making that uh, I father, grandfather, and great-grandfather have been uh, uh, started and, 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 and have instilled within me. And the story of Yagua just goes back a couple years ago to when uh, my father and I were down in our factory in Esteli, Nicaragua, and we were having dinner one night uh, with uh, one of our factory general managers, Lazaro Lopez, who's in his uh, early 80s. And Esteli is a wonderful city for cigars, but it's a uh, it's a sleepy city. There, everyone gets up early, works very hard, and then they go to go to bed. And there's very little to to do in the evening. It's it's very quiet. And so so what do you do when you're in Esteli? You at the end of the day, you go have dinner, and then you smoke cigars and you tell stories. And so one night a couple of years ago, we were out at dinner and just finishing up. And I, I asked Lazro to, 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 to tell me about what it was like for him growing up in Cuba. How did he learn about cigars? I, I wanted to hear these stories about his experience of being in Cuba in, in the 1940s. And Lazro lit a cigar and started going off and telling me about uh, his earliest memories of cigars were, were being with his grandfather in the Pinar del, del Rio Valley, because his farmer, his father, his grandfather was a farmer, and he said his grandfather uh, grew tobacco and and liked cigars, but they were out in, in the rural countryside, and so and so his grandfather would would take take tobacco that was cured but not really fermented out of the out of the barns, and he would just roll it up into cigars by with his own hands without any cigar molds like we use behind us. Um, and, and, and he would tie the cigars together uh, using the leaves from the Yagua palm tree just to, to hold it to, 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 to together. And, and those were the cigars he smoked. Um, but, but because they were rolled out in, the, in, in the, the fields, out in the farms without molds and without fully fermented tobacco, that the cigars... Um, weren't always round. They had unusual shapes and everyone was different. And, and because they weren't fully fermented, they were a little uh, rougher, a little spicier. They had just a very distinctive flavor and, and, and it sounded really interesting. And so I, I asked Lazaro, well, can, can you make me one of these cigars? Can you, do you remember how your grandfather rolled them? And he said, yes, yes, of course, of course, of course. And, <laughs> and, um, and a couple of weeks later, he, he shipped me a bundle and it was the strangest thing I'd ever seen. It was a bundle of cigars that weren't round. It was a bundle of cigars that some were trapezoid, some were pentagon, some were lopsided. It was the strangest thing I'd ever seen, but I, I opened it up and it was just such a unique um, 
product. And it was the cigars that simply that Lazaro remembered his grandfather making in Cuba in the 1940s, the cigars that, that, that he first tried and enjoyed. And, and I'm, I just feel so grateful that we were able to recreate this traditional cigar while we still had somebody around who remembered what it was like and how to do it. And so Yagua is such a unique cigar and it's been really exciting. And, and if you asked me a year ago, would it be successful? I would have said absolutely not. Because I didn't think anybody would want a cigar that isn't perfect and isn't perfectly round. But we didn't make them because we wanted to sell them. We wanted we made them because we were recreating these old cigars from from Cuba that Lazaro remembered, and and that was the point of it. And and it really surprised all of us that everyone has enjoyed them as much as they have. Yeah, you know, and, and it, you know, it, and, and I loved it, you know, because I, I got so emotional uh, for a second when you said that you were sitting around and you wanted to hear the stories of when this guy was growing up, you know, and that's, that's something that's not, you know, it, it, not common nowadays, you know, people, you know, in, in all industries, it's like, we can take this product, whether it's a pair of shoes, it's a hat, it's a cigar, I can make it better than it's ever been made before, but you just wanting to learn that history wanting you know to this this old guy before his time was was gone to to bring back a little piece of uh the heritage i love that i absolutely love that that you you know that, that you love that culture as well our dog is trying to come in <laughs> yeah. she just busted in the door Come on, well, come, Stella. Come on, baby. So, <laughs> well, I just feel very lucky that we're able to recreate Yagua while Lazaro um, is, is still alive and well and thriving and, and, and able to remember how to do this. I, I can only imagine, like, if, if, what would have happened if, if he retired or wasn't around. Like, we would we would have lost this traditional uh, uh, cigar, and 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 so it's uh, it's very exciting. Uh, um, but, but again, because we didn't think anyone would really like it, we didn't roll that many of them. And so, uh, um, it, it hasn't been on the market for, for a while, but we're getting ready to, to release some more this summer and hope oh, that, that that, that's what I was going to ask. So, so you are releasing more for this summer because, um, well, there's so many things that make Yagua unique, but one of the things is, is that the tobacco is under fermented because out in the farms they didn't have fermented tobacco um, they just had the raw tobacco that came out of the curing barns but because the tobacco that we use for yagua the wrapper especially is under fermented we have to age it longer after okay. it's rolled in order for uh, the, the, the the ammonias to be released from the cigar and for it to be a very pleasant experience uh, yagua when it comes straight off the rolling table is a rough powerhouse cigar that would pretty much knock most people over and so uh and so it, it has to sit for for about a year before it, it, it's it's really enjoyable uh but uh, uh so we have more coming uh um to the market uh in a couple of the months oh right on i remember you know at, uh, like my first tour you know uh finishing up and uh, um we were in uh adria's office and there were some like some palm fronds on her desk and people were really, and then i'm like what are those she's like don't pay any attention yeah, to those. Not, and, uh, and, and then when the Yago come out, it clicked. I'm like, oh, I should have, I should have pressed deeper. No, she would you never, know? she would never give it up. Yeah, I, 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 I know, you know. So, um, one thing that um 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 that 
that J.C. Newman, you know, uh, uh, the founder, would have recognized today, or or maybe that he would have seen the cigar industry as lacking, um, but something that he'd be very familiar with, uh, Candela cigars. J.C. Newman doesn't make a, you know, a Candela, and J.C. Newman has made literally millions of, of Candela. That was the American Market Selection cigar, you know, uh, back in the day. I, I remember making um, a bunch of the... Uh, uh, the nub tools, you know, um, uh, or and like some pens what? for for for, uh, for Adri using the molds. And I remember she she asked me, she's like, you know, a couple of these have this great green color. Where did that come from? I go, well, that came from the tobacco. <laughs> you know, I mean that 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 mold has seen thousands and thousands of green candela wrappers because that's all that was made yeah. at one time. And this has nothing to do with the fact that you love candela. I love <laughs> I love candela, and like I said, so. Any thoughts of, of J.C. Newman, you know, ever bringing back, you know, a, a, a Candela cigar to the market? We have Candela tobacco. We, we roll some um, on our antique can operated cigar machines downstairs on the second floor. Um, it's a good point. We probably should roll some by hand up here as well, just for, for fun. Um, at least from my experience, most cigar consumers aren't interested in smoking a, a, a cigar with a green wrapper, which is a real shame because Candela, as you mentioned, is a traditional American tobacco. And uh, um, it, it, it's really interesting. And, and, and a lot of Candela was grown here in Florida, uh, not really where Jeff's farm is uh, in Orlando, but up in North Florida in the Panhandle uh, in towns of Quincy and Havana, Havana, Florida. And so it, it, it's a traditional American cigar tobacco wrapper, and I'd love to see Candela come back. I'm just a little, um, I, I, I'm a little skeptical if, if the consumers will will really enjoy a Candela cigar. I, you know, and I would love so so since I can't set that set down with Laszlo, maybe you can ask him this question. Um, I gave I, I gave your uncle Bobby a book. I sent him a book, and if you haven't read it, I definitely implore you to read it. Okay. Uh, it's called it's called Once a Cigar Maker. Um, okay. And it was, uh, and it was, uh, and it's not a um, uh, like a, a book you'd read like a story, but it was uh, um, basically a biography of the cigar industry in the late 1800s, early 1900s, and it's fantastic. Just talks about the cigar rollers, everything about the union, how powerful it was. A great book, but there was an excerpt in the book, and and I've and I've asked every cigar maker this, and nobody can tell me, but Laszlo, he might be the guy that finally answers my question for me. Because the um, I, I forget who was saying it in the book said he loved the candela because it was a very sweet wrapper reminiscent of, of pineapple sweetness, and I keep asking these makers what happened to candela, what happened to where candela is no longer a sweet pineapple cigar. Now I love the bitterness, the sourness of a candela. I think it's absolutely fantastic, but what happened in the process to where it used to be sweet? But now it's not. So what what step are we no longer taking that 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 guy being an 80 year old guy, he might remember that step. You know, he's like, oh, yeah, they don't they don't do this anymore. Yeah. And that's where it went away. Kevin, like you and Jessica, I'm not old enough to know the answer to that question. But the, the, the one you should ask that to is um, the Oliva family, not the cigar makers uh, named Oliva in Miami, but the Oliva Tobacco Company family uh, who's been growing tobacco for a hundred years, they they um, they still own land in North Florida, but 
uh, it, that's where so much of the candela was, was grown um, uh, 60, 70, 80 years ago. And now they grow tobacco in Ecuador and Nicaragua and elsewhere. But I bet that John Oliva Sr., who I think is in his 80s too, would, would know the answer to what changed with candela because uh, and, he, and, and, and he and we, his grew it. Yeah, we, we had John and John on the show. Really? And, and, and they and they and they don't know. Well, you know? so 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 I I I need I I need one of these old guys in Nicaragua, <laughs> you know, these 80, 90 year old guys, because there there's there's a step that's missing that I'll ask has, Yeah, you know, so yeah, definitely ask him because there's there's gotta be something that we're not doing because of cost or because something changed. Um, and then we're not doing that anymore. So I would love so yes. If you ever get a chance next time, you know, ask them like, "Hey, what happened to the, the the pineapple sweetness?" And like I said, definitely go, um, uh, uh, your uncle Bobby. Definitely check out that book. It is, I think, you appreciate appreciating appreciating the history. You will love that book. I, you know, I I gave him my only copy, and then I had to go out and buy another one, and I still reference it. It's yeah. such a great a, a great will, story. I'll borrow it from him. If you ever want to know what makes Kevin happy, it's candelas. <laughs> it, 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 it is, it, it is because it because it takes me back, you know, to, to like this is what my grandfather would have smoked. He wouldn't have known anything else, yeah, you know, besides a, a candela cigar, you know. A, a, uh, same the, the, with mine, but my grandfather was more of a pipe smoker, yeah. So that's kind of you know what I was more used to, but I I know what you're talking about. So it's interesting. It, it would be interesting to know what what's changed, you know. Yeah. It could be environmentally too, you know, soil, air. Seeds change too. Yes. Um, like every cigar grower has their own unique seeds, and and they and, and many of them are, are are very much involved in crossbreeding and and trying to be, create healthier seeds. I mean, seeds are something that no one talks about in the cigar industry, but but they're a very important part of uh, tobacco growing. And it could be just that the seeds changed over time to. Um, to, to favor like the size of the leaves, the, the, the durability of the leaves, the, the cleanliness of the leaves, and the, the consistent color, and maybe what was lost in that was some of the uh, the uh, taste. Absolutely, it, absolutely. Um, if you were, you know, so I, I think versus a lot of the factories in the world, if if J.C. Newman were were alive today, I think he would feel at home in your factory. Like things would be the same. Um, if you were able to sit down on, on the little stage there with him, uh, and like ask him a question, you only had one question, like, what would you, yeah, I know putting you on the spot. I, I, yeah. What, what, what question would you ask him today? The question that I would love to know is I want him to talk to me about his blends. We've got lots of records in our factory. But what we, what we what I would love to hear from him, what were the blends that he rolled a hundred years ago? We know the sizes, we know the quantities, like what specific blends, tobaccos, like how did he blend tobacco? What was available? How did he sort it? How did he search for it? That level of detail, I, I, I wish I had um, like, a good sense of our blends from the, the 60s and 70s and 80s. But anything really before then, it's kind of a mystery, and that would just be really, um, uh, really fascinating to uh, to learn. I think. 
Oh, it, it, exactly. Um, and uh, and uh, um, one thing I want to bring up um, um, because I always I brought it up with your with your uh, uh, with your uncle um, uh, before. Uh, um, I, I know we're not getting too long on time. Is southeastern guide dogs? I want to bring that up real quick. I know that's a um, a passion project of uh, of J.C. Newman, your uncle, uh, Jeff Borshowitz. Um, so while people are still on, I know it's sometimes at the end, they trail off a little bit. So I, I want to implore everybody to visit, um, guidedogs.org. This is my dog. This is Daphne. She is absolutely beautiful Thank you for your support. Uh, this is Daphne is a puppy. Um, and this is, this is Daphne all grown up. She, hopefully she's getting ready to graduate. Um, and then we get these fantastic, uh, what they're called, pup dates. Yeah, um, and I have a great photo album of Daphne. And I felt, you know, uh, you feel attached to the dog. And they yeah. do such, such great work. So please, for, for the price of just a couple of hand-rolled premium cigars, you can support a fantastic organization in the show notes below, guidedogs.org. Please look them up. Like I said, it's not that expensive each and every month, and you're making a huge, huge impact on um, on someone's life. Well, um, and but how does it impact? Who's it? Who's? Yes, the, uh, I, I know. If, if you I could, know if, some if, people if, don't know. Yeah, if Drew could maybe elaborate on on this great organization. Sure. So, uh, Southeastern Guide Dogs is a, a nonprofit that my uncle is very involved with, and I think what what what, what draws him to Southeastern Guide Dogs is that it, it's a nonprofit that help people with visual impairments see life and they, and they see life through these guide dogs that help them live independently and overcome their uh, challenges. And, and more recently in the last couple of decades, uh, uh, a guide dog has broadened its focus to assist veterans coming back from the, the, the wars in the middle East who may have lost a limbs or their eyesight and it helps them, uh, 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 regain their independence. Mm -hmm. And so it's a very special organization that uh, invests a lot of money in training these very smart dogs to help people live their lives. And it's a wonderful thing. And, and just as we encourage all of your viewers, uh, Kevin and Jessica, to come visit us here in our El Rolo factory in Tampa, Southeastern Guide Dogs has a wonderful campus about an hour south of here where they uh, put their guide dogs through boot camp and, and get them ready to go off and do wonderful things in the world. And so so on behalf of my uncle, thank you so much for your support of uh, Southeastern Guide Dogs and, um, and, and and just know that they're doing wonderful things. Uh, so, yeah, thank, thank you very much. Um, now, uh, let's talk briefly on, on, a, on another organization that most people don't like. Um, you, you are the chief counsel for, for J.C. Newman. Um, FDA, um, what, are your, what are your thoughts? I mean, what, we're, we're coming, you know, yeah, I don't want to say what are your thoughts on the FDA. That's a, <laughs> that's a, that's a touchy. Where do, you, where do you see the industry going? Is it, is it you think it's going to get a little bit easier for us? Um, I know they just... They just handed down, you know, the the, the flavored tobacco uh, ban, and where you know, yeah. where do you, where do you see the FDA go? Because you really are on the front lines of that. So I, I would really start with the big picture and say that FDA is actually it's a really good agency. It was founded about 150 years ago to to make sure that the, the food that we eat and the the, the drinks that we drink don't kill us. And they actually have a really interesting museum in their headquarters where they profile some of the products that they've encountered in the last 150 years. And it's really remarkable 
about what people used to put in their products that wouldn't tell anybody yeah. about it and it would kill people. And and certainly recently too, with the with the pandemic, as we're trying to fight this virus and others, I mean, the efforts to to, to develop vaccines and, and drugs and and then medical devices and other things that FDA does is, is really important. So I think the agency does a lot of really great work. And 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 the agency in 2010 was tasked with Congress to 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 regulate cigarettes and smokeless tobacco um, for two reasons. One, because kids were smoking cigarettes, and because adults were smoking cigarettes. Uh, with such frequency that they became addicted to them. And so FDA was tasked to look at a narrow set of tobacco products because of youth usage and, and addiction. Um, and then 2014, FDA decided to expand its authority to include all tobacco products uh, with the same, same role of, of trying to deal with addictiveness and, and youth access. But the problem is, from the very beginning, FDA hasn't really known what a premium cigar is or understood that this is a all-natural agricultural product rolled by hand. It's, it's not made on a, on a machine like you, you make toilet paper or, or toothpaste. It's, it's, a, it's a unique product, and, and not only is it unique in how it's made, it's also unique in how it's packaged, how it's sold, and how it's consumed. Um, FDA's own data shows that children don't smoke premium cigars. And FDA's own data also show that the typical consumer smokes 1.7 premium cigars a month. Not every day, not every week, but just one or two a month. And so the, the, the justification for regulating cigarettes, because kids use them and and, and, and they're used frequently and, and, and can lead to addiction, doesn't really exist in the same way for premium cigars. And, and, and so it's been our job trying to educate FDA about this, to have them come visit us here in our, cigar, our El Rolo Cigar Factory in Tampa and help them understand that premium cigars are different uh, because at the beginning, what FDA wanted to do was, <coughs> excuse me, treat all cigars and all tobacco products the same and, and treat a handcrafted premium cigar just like a cigarette, which makes zero sense whatsoever. And so it's been a slow process. It's been a long process, but I think we're making a lot of good progress and helping FDA understand that um, kids who vape, kids who smoke cigarettes are, have no interest in a premium cigar like this, and that, uh, uh, and so I, I'm very optimistic that we will get to a good place eventually. It's just taken a tremendous amount of time and effort to help uh, FDA understand what a premium cigar is and what it, it is not. Yeah, you know that. That's what I was going to ask you. I mean, do you, do you feel hopeful? You know, of, of where it's going. What What about the the, the testing of the cigars? Is that going to be, is that going to go by the wayside? You know, you, you hope that that, you know, because there's no way um, um, you can test each individual cigars. I know that'll cost, you know, like J.C. Newman that has got, you know, countless SKUs. You know, it'll cost you guys millions and millions of dollars um, to, to test each cigar. Do you think that that's going to eventually, you know, that, that'll be dismissed as part of that? 
So, so testing of cigars is on hold right now for one very good reason. And that reason is, is that there's just not a way to do it. Um, scientists have been testing cigarettes since the 1960s, and they're a lot easier to test, largely because cigarettes come in two sizes, a, a regular size and a king size. But cigars, goodness, we all know they can come in, in, in countless sizes, uh, <coughs> from a Lancero to a Double Gordo to, 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 to a Nub to a Perfecto or Torpedo. It, it, the, the varieties are, are endless. And so trying to create a machine that can accommodate endless amounts of sizes has been really hard for scientists to create. Additionally, um, when people smoke cigarettes, they typically smoke it from start to finish. But sometimes with a cigar, you might smoke only a third of it, or you might um, grab a pair of, uh, uh, of tweezers and smoke it all the way to the very, very, very end. So, so trying to not only figure out how to test cigars, but also uh, on a machine, but also figuring out like a, a standardized uh, method for trying to approximate what a premium cigar smoker does is just proven to be very hard. But thankfully, FDA has acknowledged this, and they've put testing on a indefinite hold until FDA figures out how to test cigars. And so I'm hopeful that uh, FDA will eventually come to their senses and realize that it just doesn't make sense to test cigars like you test cigarettes. Um, but uh, for right now, it's just uh, on an uh, indefinite hold. So, so right on, you know, and then uh, you'd mentioned over like the last year, COVID, you know, restriction. As, as things are, are easing up, are, are you starting to do more traveling? What's your normal travel schedule like? Are you out and about? Are you at the factory? I'm sure you're, you're not getting to, to retailers hosting events, but uh, what, what's, you know, what, what's your normal schedule like, you know, traveling throughout? Well, cigars are, are it's a social business. It, it, we make these products to, to be enjoyed in social settings. And so the social aspect of it is very important. It's also important because um, our consumers want to know all about the cigars that we're selling and that we're making. And so it's important for us to be out there and talking to them about where our cigars are made and who we are as a family and where our tobaccos come from. And all of that. And so, so attending festivals and events and visiting retailers is very important. And for me, equally important is, is spending time in our factories here in Tampa, as well as in Nicaragua and down in the Dominican Republic as well. Because um, um, when my grandfather had a saying, it was something like, um, you can't find out anything sitting at home. You've got to actually be out in the world in order to, to learn and see what's going on. And, and uh, there, there's, it's, it's very hard to make cigars well consistently. And so you've got to be out actually out in the factories. And so um, this past year has been so unusual in so many ways, including the fact that we just haven't traveled and haven't been able to really get out and about to spend time in our factories overseas, as well as um, uh, uh, meeting retailers and consumers uh, across the uh, country and world. So, so right, right on. So uh, Drew, we definitely want to thank you for coming on, spending an hour and a half of your, of your Wednesday with us. And um, uh, great. I, 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 I know, I know you're busy, you know, so um, uh, definitely thank you. Thank you very much. Yes. Thank you. So when you, uh, uh, when you, when you figure out the secret of the Candela, <laughs>
get, get, back, get, get, get back with me on that one. Figure, figure, figure it out. So, uh, <laughs> so that, that's what I want. That's uh, that's my, my, ta- I, I, and Candela. That's what I want Candela. everybody to take, take, take away. You got so, it. Th- thank you very much. And yeah, you have a wonderful, wonderful afternoon. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you, Jessica. I look forward to seeing you guys soon. Oh, yes. I look forward to it. Thank you.